All right, what's up with it? This is Man, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked, baby. I don't do the most, but I do a lot. I'ma make a toast, cause we still alive. No big, I feel like Pac. I shoot the shot. I'm coming in hot. Hey, how y'all doing? This is Rick Sincere with MTNV Sports, and we are elated to be joined today by Aaron Walker. His friends call him Big A. He is a phenomenal entrepreneur. He has been on fire business since he started working at the age of 13. Um, Aaron has started, he started his first business, um, and then he sold it. I think it was a Fortune 500 company, sold it for over a million, over a million dollars. He's grown companies to unimaginable levels. He's done a phenomenal, phenomenal job of now coaching businesses and startups. He is just an awesome person. I got a chance to meet him at PodFest. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I had a chance to go to PodFest this year. I met a guy named June Han, and so June was, he's just a master connector. So June, um, he, he saw he saw me kind of walking by. He said, hey, man, you have to meet this guy. And I said, okay, cool. So I came over, and I met Aaron Walker, and he was like, you have to have him on the show figure it out, find a way to do it, but you have to have him on the show. So I got a chance to meet him. He gave me a book. Um, The book is called View from the Top. Um, It's a phenomenal read. If you have a chance to, um, you know, get it, we'll talk about that later. But I had a chance to meet him and he, he gave me the book. I was so happy to talk to him and I wanted to bring him on the show. He is just a phenomenal guy, just a wealth of information, wonderful amounts of knowledge. I'm happy to have him here. Aaron, how you doing? Ernest, you make me sound like I'm somebody, man. I'm pretty fired up today. That is so cool. Thank you. I don't know if I'm that great a guy or not, but, man, it was so nice to get to meet you, and to, I'm humbled to be on your show today. So, hey, thank you. Hopefully I can add a little bit of value to your listeners. So um, I want to start off with, with the question that's kind of um, just just for me, right? Um, I know that um, a lot of one of the mantras in, in all of um, and all of, you know, being an athlete and football and sports like that, a lot of guys are, you're hungry, you're hungry, you're hungry. One of the, the um, and if you're hungry, then that's a, a good thing, right? But something that you gave to me, right, you gave me a scripture, it was Proverbs 27 and 17, and it says, to the hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. Um, I want to know your, your motivation behind putting that, you put that in, this, in my book, and I was so happy to read it, it changed my perspective on a lot. Um, what, what is your feelings behind that scripture? Well, you've just got to think through that all the things that you're hungry for oftentimes are not good for you, right? I know I like to eat pizza and bread and things like that, and that can even be bad for you, so the bitterness within that. So I'm just saying be careful what you're hungry for. Love it. So um, you're from um, Tennessee? I am, Nashville, Tennessee. I'm a native Nashvilleian. been here almost 59 years now. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about, well, actually, are you a fan of the Titans at all? Uh, yes, sir, baby. The Titans are rolling. I mean, listen, there was a time I even went to the Super Bowl when uh, we were in and played the Rams back in uh, 99 or 2000. I forget the year. I think it was 2000. Uh, we went down there, one of the most exciting sporting events I've ever been to. This is cool. Your listeners will like this. So we sat down at our seats. We had front row second tier loge seats and they were amazing on my left there was this little boy and he was sitting there and there was an older kid sitting with him about 18 or 19 and then this other kid was about 10 years old and all of a sudden he looked up at the screen the jumbotron and he went there's daddy and the older kid said hey be quiet 
And I looked up at the screen, and it was Boomer Esiason. And I looked down at that kid, and I said, Boomer is your dad? And he just shook his head. He said, yes, sir. And a few minutes, somebody security came and got these kids and walked them down on the field with Boomer. And then I'm sitting there. This is hilarious, Ernest. I'm sitting there, and I hear this voice that sounded like, man, I recognize that. I mean, who is that? I turned around. It's Jesse Jackson. He's sitting, at the, he's sitting in the seat behind me. And I looked at him, and I said, good night. And then I looked over, and Testa Verde is sitting to our right. And I'm like, I am surrounded by famous people. And here I am, Big A, with his Titan garb on at the Titans game, cheering him on to victory, and we fell short three feet. So one yard cost us the Super Bowl. But, man, I had a great time. It was fun. Dude, that is phenomenal. <laughs> it was pretty cool, quite honestly, to have all these people sitting around us. And uh, it was a blast, man. It was just so fun. But, yeah, Robin and I bought tickets. We bought PSLs at the Titans back uh, when they came. I think it was in 1999. And we held those seats just until two years ago. And I've got a bunch of grandkids now. So I wanted to be at home with my grandkids rather than at the game. But we followed them, man. We went everywhere. I mean, we followed the Titans on the road, went to all their playoff games, been to the Super Bowl, and, man, went, oh, Eddie George and uh, Steve McNair and all those guys were there. It was a fun time in Nashville. Man, that is awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's a very unique story. Everybody can't tell that one. Do me a favor, Aaron. So you had a chance to start and launch so many different businesses. Yeah. Um, tell me about just your start in business yourself, right, okay. um, and, and how that came about and how you were so successful so early on in your career. Well, Ernest, thank you, man, for uh, asking me that question. I, I'll give you a brief overview. I don't want to make too much of this interview about myself, but just for context, I'll give you a little overview. So. I grew up in Nashville as a very poor kid. My dad was a great man. He just wasn't a good business person. And when I was 13 years old, I went to work at a local pawn shop. I didn't even know what a pawn shop was. And I went to work for this guy, fell in love with the business, and then decided I wanted to be in that business. So I went to summer school and night school as well as day school. And in 18 months, I had enough credits to graduate the beginning of my junior year so I started working every day my junior and senior year of high school and then I met a couple of guys with a lot of money and I needed some money because I didn't have any and we formed a partnership we went in business for ourselves uh, about a year later after I was out of high school my wife uh, which was my girlfriend at the time she graduated two weeks later we got married she's 18 I'm 19 and I said Robin we can't mess this up we may never get this chance again to partner with a couple of guys so we did we partnered i said we've got to pour all the money back into the company we can't uh waste and squander this money and increase our lifestyle so we lived on an eighteen thousand dollar a year salary for nine years and we poured all the money back into the company and we paid a 10-year loan off in 36 months mm. so that allowed me to start another business and we repeated that four different times and by the time I was 27, I had something that a Fortune 500 was interested in, and they made me an offer, and I just couldn't refuse it. They wanted it worse than I did. And so I sold the business. I was 27 years old, and I was retired. And I thought, man, life doesn't get any better than this. I mean, like, poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at 27. 
and life is good. Well, it was for about 18 months. Mm. And then I started getting bored. I would get in the bed in the middle of the day. I was depressed. I gained 50 pounds in 18 months. Mm. And my wife woke me up one day from a nap, and she said, this is not what I signed up for. She said, get your hind end out of that bed, get you a job, <laughs> start another business. I don't care what you do, but you got to do something. You're wasting your life. So I went back, bought the company I started with when I was 13 years old, and we grew that four times the size it was over the next nine years. And life was really good. I mean, I was working three days a week. My partner was working the other three days. But man, here is where the water hit the wheel. I was headed to the office. It was about 7.30 in the morning. It was on August the 1st, 2001. Mm. And there was a guy crossing the street to catch a local bus, and he didn't see me. And I ran over and killed a pedestrian that day. Mm. And I want to tell you, man, I don't know if you've ever been through a traumatic experience, but it's like my life slowed down in slow motion. And I said, I can't even believe this is happening to me. I mean, like, things are so good, and I was blindsided that day. Well, to make a long story short, I sold the company. I couldn't handle the stress, and so I sold the company, and I took five years off. I didn't do anything for about five years, and uh, we built a new house, and we traveled pretty extensively, and I saw counselors and coaches and had uh, people around me to help me kind of work through that because that was a very traumatic experience, and so... Robin came in, as she always does, and she said, all right, big boy, you're getting fat and lazy again. It's time to get up. It's time to get back to work. You've got to do something because you're wasting your life. So I got up, shook the dust off of me, pulled my boots up, and I said, okay. So I go out, and I go in the construction industry, and we built a pretty successful construction company over the next seven or eight years, and then I retired. So eight years ago, I retired, and I've been in a mastermind group uh, with Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Ken Abraham and Jeff Mosley. Some of those names may or may not mean anything to your audience, but in the mastermind group, one day after I retired, they said, what are you going to do now? And I said, nothing. I'm going to go down to the Caribbean. I'm going to sit on the front porch of one of them little straw tiki huts, and I'm going to rock myself into an oblivion. Yeah. And they started laughing at Dan Miller. <laughs> Dan Miller leaned forward. He said, that's the most selfish thing I've ever heard you say. He never cracked a smile. I said, what do you mean? I said, I've been working since I was 13 years old, man. I'm tired. I'm like ready to rest. And he said, Aaron, you've owned 12 businesses. You've been married over 30 years successfully. Uh, your life is amazing. You need to teach other people how to do that. And I said, no, man, I'm not coaching anybody. I'm done. Like, I'm tired. Dave Ramsey said, come do Entree Leadership Mastery Series. I'll gift it to you. And that was a $10,000 gift. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I went and did that, went and did Innovate out at the Sanctuary. It was a coaching program. And, man, I fell in love with it. I'm like, this is the bomb. So I started coaching, and that was five, five and a half years ago. And now uh, I've got clients uh, pretty much – all over the world uh we've got 140 men from eight different countries that are in our mastermind program and i'm having a time of my life helping other people enjoy a great amount of success and significance in their life big a you sound like a a coach that's on fire and i am on fire i'm having fun man <laughs> i'm loving my life because 
I'm making it adventuresome, right? It's yeah. like happiness. Happiness is not a trait. It's a choice. And we've got to determine that we're going to live on fire, that we are. You know, I was on Entrepreneur on Fire. My mom asked me one day, she goes, what is that show you're on? Who's on fire? And I said, Entrepreneur on Fire, John Lee Dumas. <laughs> uh, and she just laughed. She thought that was so funny. But listen, man, we need to have energy. We need to be excited. We need to love life. We need to do things with enthusiasm. And we got to get people around us to help us live. This is not a practice run. This is the real deal. We don't get a do-over. I mean, like, this is it. And we've got to live our life to the fullest every single day. So, Aaron, like like most coaches who have, um, you know, a mantra that's, that get their players going, you have a mantra as well. It's can't, couldn't do it, and could, did it all. Can you tell us a little bit um, behind that statement? Yeah, I will. You know, I hated that comment when I was a kid. My mom is the one that said that. She'd get up every morning. She'd come in my room, raise the blinds up when I was a kid. And I'd say, I can't do this. And she said, hey, let's get it understood early on. We are not going to say the word can't. You might not be able to do it, but you're going to try. And I'm like, dang. And so she pushed me to try it. And she had this little saying, can't, couldn't do it, but could, did it all. And she developed that mantra in my mind. And I even titled the first chapter of my book that it's the mindset that we have to have in order to be successful. If you think you can't, you won't. And I want to encourage your listeners today to think, what is it that is plaguing me from having the level of success that I want? It's us. We're our own worst enemy because we don't think we can do it, so therefore we can't. So I just want to tell you guys today, develop a positive mentality of can't, couldn't do it, but could, did it all. So you often talk about, and I hear you talk about or make reference to the thing called upper limit challenges. What are upper limit challenges? Well, Gay Hendricks wrote a great book called The Big Leap. And in that book, he addresses upper limit challenges. And that's that voice. You ever lay in bed at night and you have that voice that goes, you're not any good. Who's yeah. going to listen to you? You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the experience. You don't have the resources. You don't have the fortitude or the wherewithal to get those resources. You ever have those voices? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I have them all the time. That's an upper limit challenge, right? And what you got to do is kick that thing in the teeth. You got to go, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. You got to have a talk with yourself. And you got to go out there. Listen, I don't have a college education, okay? I mean, like, I got out of school at the beginning of my junior year in high school. But do I have an education? I've got an awesome education. I don't have a certificate that says I went to a certain college. I do have 14 businesses to my credit that says I know what I'm doing over the past 41 years. And you've got to tell other voices in your head, I am going to succeed. I'm not afraid. I am going to overcome that. And talking about fear, I'll just be honest with you. I'd rather fear missing an opportunity than I had fear failure. People are always talking about, I can't do that because I might fail. Well, listen, I don't believe in failure, first of all. I believe you either succeed or you learn. And you mm. take the things that you learn and you turn that and you go, hey, I'm not going to do that anymore because that didn't work out so well. I'm going to pivot and turn. See, people surround us all the time that tell us we can't. I'm like, you mean you can't? 
like, you better move because you're fixing to get run over because I'm going there. <laughs> Listen, man, we got to surround ourselves with people other than naysayers. We're really careful about who we let in our life. My inner circle are people that's going to tell me the truth. They're going to be edifiers. They're going to be encouragers. They're going to lift me up. They're going to propel me to heights I've never been. They're going to point out my superpowers. They're going to let me know when I have a kryptonite. And they're going to point out my blind spots. And I need people around me that care, that are non-biased, trusted advisors that I can depend on. I hadn't got time for all this chitter-chatter of people saying, you can't do it, it won't work. I'm like, dude, just move, get out of my way, like this is going to happen, okay? Just watch and I'll show you. And you get people around you that help you, and that is how you're going to be successful. Some of you guys out there have got friends and family members and colleagues and peers that you need to get rid of. You need to change some friends. You need to get rid of some people that are dragging you down like a boat anchor. And you need to get around people that can help you. Jim Rohn made this saying famous, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. There's nothing ever been said more profound than that. Choose your friends and your colleagues and your peers wisely. You have surrounded yourself with some phenomenal people, um, Dave Ramsey being one of them. Um, you've just surrounded yourself with just a ton, ton of incredible men. Um, Bob Warren is also one of those guys. Um, he's a uh, former ABA player. He, you have a, a great relationship. He was your mentor at some point. Can you tell us about your relationship with him? Yeah, he was a big old tall, lanky guy that uh, played college ball. He was Mr. Vanderbilt here in Nashville, and they retired his jersey. even had a perfect game. Uh, it was amazing. He scored 41 points in a game at uh, Vanderbilt once and went on to play ABA ball, and he was eight years in you know pro ball. And then he retired, and he started a uh, ministry up in Hardin, Kentucky, called Basic Training. And he would invite people up and pour into them and train them. And I heard him speak at our church once, and I just fell in love with this guy. I said, man, there's some charisma about him that i got to get around. This was about 16, 17, 18 years ago now. And so I started going to his place and just fell in love with what he was doing. He cared. He was interested. He was genuine, authentic. He was transparent. He was vulnerable. I mean, he lets you get into his life, and he'd call you out, and he'd teach you. And he and I developed quite the friendship. And so almost daily we talked and we helped each other and encouraged each other's businesses. And then, unfortunately, uh, I lost him four years ago. Uh, He had a heart attack at his home. He was 10 years older than me. And he got up to get a drink of water and just fell over dead in his den. And it was just a very, very bleak time for me. But I love being around this guy because he cared. He was really genuine. He had a lot of empathy for people. He cared about you as an individual. He didn't care what you had. He didn't care anything. He cared about you as a person, and he taught me so much about loving other people. So far, um, as I've learned more about you and I've listened to you, I've heard so many um, different Christian or Bible-based related sayings um, or or just kind of just mantras, right? Like, uh, for instance, your group is called Iron Sharpens Iron. Um, You've talked on multiple occasions about um, there being safety and a multitude of counsel. Um, I I have to ask this. What role does your faith play in the way you go about handling yourself as a business owner? Oh, that's a great question. Well, let me say this for the people out there that are of faith. Uh, I'm a Christian by faith. 
my faith is number one priority in my life. I accepted Christ when I was nine years old. That was almost 50 years ago now. And you, they're inseparable. You can't separate your faith from business or your faith from anything else. It is who you are as an individual. And every decision I make is run through the filter of my faith. Is this going to be God-honoring? Is it going to be pleasing? Is it going to make God famous? Every single thing that I do runs through the filter of my faith. My faith is even more important than my earthly relationships, including my wife, including my children, my grandchildren. My faith is paramount. And then it goes down through the order of my wife, then my children, then my grandchildren, and then my business and things. And I want to prioritize my priorities in the order that I think that they should go. That's the way the scripture lays it out, and that's the way I believe. So every decision I make is a faith-related decision. I love it. I, I want to ask you this question, right? I'm almost selfishly, to be honest with you, right? There's so many of my listeners who um, absolutely love sports. That's kind of what we do here. Um, but they've also not only just have found a love for it, but they want to launch businesses, right? They want to launch sports-related businesses or sports-related podcasts. However, the market seems kind of saturated and the task seems somewhat daunting. What's some advice that you would give to someone kind of starting um, a business and, and what would be considered a saturated market? Well, first of all, I don't believe that the market is near saturated. Uh, I'll take the opposing view to that. I think this is the best time that there possibly ever could be to be in business. I think it's the best time that we have ever had to be in a location independent business. And if I had it to go over again, this is just me personally, it wouldn't be a bricks and mortar, but it would be an online space. Uh, I'm relatively new to the online space, only about seven years now. This is the most phenomenal, absolutely best, most profitable space you could possibly be in right now. Digital products, the margins are very high. It's very easy to get the word out now via social media. I can make a post now and have people all over the world know about it instantaneously. I can do a Facebook Live and have hundreds of people instantly know about what it is that I'm trying to sell or promote. I can do an Instagram post, a LinkedIn post, where there's 176 million active users on LinkedIn in the U.S. alone, over 400 million nationwide. They're free. The postings are free on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you name the platform and there's a free opportunity, YouTube, and we're building a YouTube channel now. It is absolutely the most astounding time to be in business. When I was in bricks and mortar, I'd pay $5,000 for a magazine ad and pray to the Lord that somebody in my geographic area would read it and come in and buy my product. Now for free, I can do a Facebook Live and talk to thousands of people instantly even live, I can get my message out. I can do podcast interviews like this amazing show that you have and have thousands of downloads monthly. It's evergreen. So now we have show notes that are search engine optimized on Google that point to me. Uh, this is going to forever be available for your listeners to download over and over for free. So the list goes on and on and on at the uh the ability for us to grow an online business now relatively free. Now, there's many paid things and subscriptions that you can do to boost posts and things like that. But we have such an opportunity. I said 
if I had had the internet 30 years ago, you know, when I started some of these other businesses or 40 years ago, there is no telling where we could be today. Mm. I think we have so much opportunity ahead of us to make more money than we've ever made in the history of mankind. So even even in sports, all coaches kind of have players that they at times start off a little difficult with. They're a little bit hard to manage. And then after a while, they blossom right into wonderful success stories. Um, as, as a coach or entrepreneur coach, um, is there an entrepreneur or business that you've coached that kind of seemed bleak at first? Right. And then you saw them blossom. Well, most of them. <laughs> most of them are bleak at first. Here's the biggest trial for all small business owners. We're not willing to delay gratification for a longer tail of business. And what I mean by that is I look at the long tail of everything. Nothing. I'm a marathoner. I'm not a sprinter. Mm. Like I look at everything long term. And here's what I tell people when I'm coaching them. If you're not willing to invest at least two years of dedicated, consistent, hard work, without much return don't even start because every single day i have to do these facebook lives these blogs these tweets i have to do these linkedin posts i have to do podcast interviews and it is the long haul that i'm interested in it's building brand awareness it's building up something that people are interested in you've earned their trust because you post regularly you give value and i teach people all the time it's the Gary Vanderchuk jab, 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 right hook. You've got to give value. You've got to give value. You've got to give value. And then you go, hey, by the way, I've got this service or this product. I'd love to show it to you. Well, by then, you've earned their trust, right? They like you. They know who you are because you've been giving value. Like, for example, I'll give out a personal assessment for free. Then I'll give out what do I want document. It teaches people how to live their life proactively and get what they want. Then I'll give out steps to a productive day. It's kind of a to-do list on steroids. And then I'll go, hey, by the way, I have a mastermind group that we do this kind of stuff every single day. And I think it can be life transformational for you. And you can have more of this kind of information. Are you interested in knowing more? And they're like, man, this stuff is so good. Sure, I'm interested in knowing more. But here's what happens invariably. Everybody's guilty of this when they first start. It's kind of like dating. Like you wouldn't knock on the door of a new date, and as soon as she opens the door, you grab her and kiss her. Right? You're going to get slapped. (laughs) Here's what you do. You knock on the door, and you go, wow, you look beautiful today. Mm. Can we go to dinner? And then you go to dinner. And then the next time you come, you bring these flowers. And you go, hey, these are for you because you are so beautiful. You reminded me of these flowers. And then you say, hey, would you like to go to a movie? And then you go to a movie. You are dating her. And then maybe, if you're lucky, you'll get a little kiss, right? It's the same in business. See, what we do, though, is we just grab them and kiss them. That's the wrong thing. We've got to nurture that relationship. We've got to send them a video that says, I'm buying your products. I love what you're doing. Here's an endorsement on LinkedIn. Here's where I'm promoting your book. Here's why. And then you say, by the way, I do this. Are you interested? And see, I understood that early on, and that's the way we built our businesses. Y'all need to calm down just a notch, and you need to not want to have a return on investment immediately. Learn to delay gratification at a later date. Build your brand. Build your audience. Let them gain trust in you. And then... They're going to go, 
tell me about your product. Love it, love it, love it. Um, are there are there some just like outright signs of a failure that you can see early on in the business? Like you see them kind of getting kickstarted, and you say, "Okay, cool, that's a sign that that this may not work out for you." Well, selfishness, a hundred percent, and we're selfish by nature. We go up to people, and here's the first thing we do. We'll go to a networking conference, and the first thing you want to do is tell them all about you. You know you've only got them for three minutes, and so you're like, let me tell you how great I am. Let me tell you what I've done. And what you should be saying is, hey, tell me more about you. Tell me about your family. Tell me about your kids, your hobbies. Tell me about your business. I want to learn more about you. Carnegie wrote in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The best way to get business, the best way to nurture a relationship is to ask questions about the other person. But see, we're too busy thinking about the question we're fixing to ask. We're too busy thinking about how we can impress these people. We're too busy thinking about ourselves rather than getting into the lives of the people that we're serving. If you want to serve someone well, you've got to get in their life. You've got to Mm. find out what their interests are. And that is the biggest telltale sign to me is that we got to be a giver, not a taker. And the natural reciprocity out of that is they want to do more for you. And I'm just telling you, man, I know what I'm talking about. After 40 years of experience, you've got to be a giver. And when you're that giver, man, you watch. It'll come back to you in spades. Big A, I've, I've heard so many um, really cool things from you. Uh, one of the things that I've heard um, that, that really kind of, you know, stuck with me is leave them wanting more. And I think about guys like um, Drew Brees, because I'm a Saints fan. I think about guys like Drew Brees, and um, he's, you know, so close to the to the end of his career. I think about um, Brett Favre, right? And he left and came back and left and came back. And at some point, we're like, yo, it's time for you to go. We're, we're no longer wanting any more of this. Um but I, I want to know just for my for my listeners so they can get what I got, right? Your, your mantra of leave them wanting more, um, what, what does that mean in business? Or even in well, building relationships? Sure. Here's the thing. It's applicable to every area of our life. And so we had a, uh, we had a minister of music at our church that was outstanding. This guy was amazing. He had Dove Awards he won, and it was incredible. Well, every time he'd do a musical at our church – we would get to the end or crescendo you know it was just like oh my gosh this is unbelievable and then after it was over robin and i went up to him one day and said david said why don't you just do a couple of more songs and he said because a couple of more songs you would get tired and you would be saying hey you know i wish they would quit you always want to leave a good taste in your customer's mouth so i do just enough for the crescendo to leave you wanting more and every time it pays dividends. It's the same way in business. No matter what we do, we try to give the audience a little extra. Don't do the minimal requirements just to get paid, to just get by. Be looking at how can I serve them better? What can I do that would impress them to the point they would want to do it again? How can I give them more value that it doesn't necessarily cost me more? Even if it does cost you more, you're building up brand awareness. You're building up, hey, that's the guy that always gives me more. He's the guy that always leaves a sweet taste in my mouth. Mm. He's always following up with customer service that says, how can I serve you better? Right? You've got to make it about them and not about you. And if you do that, you'll always leave them with wanting more 
and the last thing I want to ask, and and like I said, I would be remiss if I didn't. Um, you have been married to your to your wonderful wife, and and the reason I'm saying wonderful is because so many times I've heard her check you at critical moments in your life, uh-huh. right? Um, so you've been married to your uh, lovely wife Robin for 37 years at this point. Um, 39, 39. Oh, I don't want to cheat you out of years. I'm sorry. Don't cheat me out of two years. <laughs> okay, 39 years. Um, and and often, very often, right? Um, as as men, right? There's probably a lot of men listening to this um podcast as we talk. There are some men, right, who feel you know tempted at times. They they may feel sure. tempted to to either sure. eye wander or things of that nature. Um, yeah. and, and you told a story one time about um uh, your your wife, right, and yeah. and her praying for your eyes. Can you give us some wisdom on that kind of thing? I'll tell you a story. This is a good story to end this on too. So. A few years ago, Robin and I were in Miami, Florida. We'd been on a cruise, and uh, we'd just gotten back. And I said, hey, my schedule's pretty light next week. I said, why don't we stay here another week, and we'll just get a place here on the beach in South Beach, and we'll just hang out. She goes, that sounds great. So we get a hotel, and we go to bed. We get up the next morning. We go down on the boardwalk, and we're walking down through there. And I'm holding hands with Robin, and we've been married for a long time, so we're comfortable. We can talk about stuff, you know, so... All of a sudden, this girl comes out of this store. And I'm not kidding with you. I'm just telling you the truth. There's more cotton in an aspirin bottle than she had on. I mean, <laughs> there was nothing, I mean, left to the imagination. And I'm telling you, man, the day God made her was a good day. I mean, <laughs> like, everything she had was in the right place. It was the right thing. And it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, she's 10 feet in front of me. May as well not had anything on whatsoever. I'm holding hands with Robin, and I'm praying, Lord, please let her go somewhere. Let her go in a store. <laughs> let her rapture. I don't care where she goes. Just take her from in front of me because I didn't know where to look. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. mean, y'all know what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm like, my hand's getting sweaty. I'm getting nervous. We quit talking. <laughs> so we go on. Finally, it seemed like an eternity. She goes into a store and goes away. And we're walking. We still hadn't said anything. Robin hadn't said anything. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Robin goes, I have a question. And I started laughing. I said, oh, here we go. I knew this was coming. She goes, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. She said, but I do have a question. And every time I think I'm in trouble, I start laughing. And I start laughing. She goes, no, really, I'm good. But I do have a question. I said, okay, all right, what is it? She goes, if I hadn't have been with you, would you have looked again? Mm. I'm like, Robin, are you going to make me answer that? I mean, are you serious? I mean, like, God made me visual, okay? Like, take it up with him. I can't. She goes, no, I just want to know. And I said, here's the truth. Here's the truth. My flesh would have wanted to look again because it feels good. It looks good. It feels good. I want my heart to be for you and you only. I do. That's truly what I be. But I am visual. And to be honest with you, it's a battle. So she didn't say anything else. So we stay there a week. We get home. We go in our sunroom, and we're sitting there, and everything's good. She goes, I have a comment about that girl in Florida. I went, you got to be kidding me. We are still talking about this? And she said, no, 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 no. I, I don't understand. I don't understand because I'm a woman. But if you say that's the way it is, I get it. But I want to tell you something. I said, okay, what is it? She goes, I want you to know that I'm going to pray for your eyes every day. Mm. Well, I want to tell you, man, 
my wife's never told me anything that's more impactful because every time now I'm tempted to roam visually, like it's like I think I got a wife at home on her knees praying mm. for my eyes. It gives me so much strength. So here's the thing, guys. We got to build boundaries. Right, women? You have to build boundaries as well. Yeah. I want to encourage you to do some things to make your spouse the most honored person on earth. And I've set very stringent boundaries, how I travel, what I do, what I watch, what I don't watch, what I see, what I say, where I go. When I go, I have very strict boundaries. You know why? Because I have a wife at home that I've been married to for 39 years, and I want to be married for another 30 or 40 years, and I don't want to do anything to breach her confidence in me. So, guys, I just want to leave you with this thought. I want you to do the right thing for the right reason. Because the other path feels good for a season, but there's huge consequences as a result of wrong choices. So I just want to encourage you guys today to make great choices. And we have been tremendously blessed um, to have you here. Um, this is Aaron Walker. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm telling you, I can't even really fully explain all the cool things um, that he has definitely, that he has going on and that he has influence in. Um, but if you want to know more, um, then I, I, I can, I'm going to give him an opportunity to tell you where to find him, where to find his website and where to follow him um, as he leads us through, right? Even coaching from a distance as he leads us through life and um, entrepreneurship alright um, where, where can we find your website Aaron the best place to go is viewfromthetop.com and you can connect with me on all social media platforms there another cool thing to consider if you want to be involved in a mastermind group we have the best mastermind group on the planet called Iron Sharpens Iron we also have a course coming out to teach people how to build their own masterminds and scale those and it can be very profitable so stay in touch with me if you're interested in participating in that man what a delight it has been for me to be here with you today thank you very much thank you so much all right this is mtmv sports have a great day i shoot a shot i'm coming in